<laughs> yeah, one of these days you're going you're gonna to learn my uh, sense of humor and, and how dry it is sometime and, and uh, how non-existent it is sometime, apparently. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Ephesians chapter number 2. We will be reading from verses 1 through 6. We'll be reading from the New King James Version today. Ephesians chapter number 2. If you're ready, say amen. Amen. All right, that sounds good. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, I always love that, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together. This is my emphasis right here, verse number 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Read that with, with me one more time. Raised us up. He's raised us up together. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're going to speak today just for a few moments on this subject, the atmosphere. Very simple, the atmosphere. Why don't you set your Bibles down, lift up your hands, and let's pray real quick before... You know whenever I say pray before we start the message that it's going to be a serious one. So why don't you just pray real quick. Lord, have your way today. God, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would help our hearts to receive the word, help our minds to be cleared of all distractions, and help us to understand what you would have us to understand today about your word and about the principles of living for God in this time that we live. In the name of Jesus, I, I, I push aside, I press out, I, I push away all the distractions, everything that would hinder this word, that would rob this word as it leaves my mouth, and as it goes into the ears of the believer today, in the name of Jesus, let it be done. And the church said, Amen. Why don't you clap your hands as you're seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you may be seated. Heavenly places. In verse number six, that, that seems like a beautiful description, right? That seems like a wonderful description. Beautiful place, heavenly places. That it causes me to want to listen to little new age jazz music and sit back with some incense and think about that heavenly, heavenly place. Now, obviously, I joke just a bit, but uh, how many understands that in this this time and in Christianity in general, uh, we have entered into a resistance? You have. I want you to understand something about. It really is Christian 101, if you don't understand it, whenever you come to God, 
you've entered into a great resistance. That is by definition what repentance is. You've decided to turn from your old way and that old way will pull you every single day. So you've entered into the moment you decide to walk with God and to live for God, you've entered into a resistance. A continual resistance against your flesh and more importantly a continue a continued resistance resistance against the the prince of the air the wicked one that would influence us but heavenly places that's that's something that just it, it on the surface sounds so beautiful and sounds so uh, sounds so enticing but Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 12 reading from the New King James version once again for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now all of the seasoned saints among us, that we know this one. We, uh, I talked about warfare and fighting and wrestling last week and we, uh, many of us went to this scripture in our mind. We, uh, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against something. We wrestle against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against, and here it is, another emphasis, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, if you're reading from your King James Version, it would say high places right here. But it is, just like uh, our text, it is heavenly places. Once again, we're talking about the heavenly places. And this creates a clearer picture for us whenever we once want, wanted, to, wanted to think about heavenly places as just this beautiful place of leisure. This beautiful place of, of relaxation. It is not that. This Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 12 really describes it much more, uh, much more descriptively in that it is a place of warfare. It is a place of resistance and it is a, it is a place of battle. Heavenly places. Another word for heavenly places is simply the atmosphere. Another word, another, another way to understand what the Bible here is describing as heavenly places around us isn't just the cosmos, isn't just the stars in the sky, isn't just the clouds in the sky. It is the very air that surrounds us around us. It is the atmosphere. The atmosphere. Since the fall of man in the garden, the atmosphere has been the dwelling place of imperfect spirits. And, uh, but since Calvary, thank God, since Calvary, Jesus has made it possible not to live under the rule of that wicked influence. And I thank God for that. And He tells us there in Scripture, He's made us to sit together with Him. He's given us some power and some understanding, but for some reason, sometimes it's difficult to understand whatever version of Pentecost or whatever version of Christianity we've come to understand. We've created this, uh, this romanticized view of, uh, of heavenly places or of the atmosphere as a place of leisure, but it is not. It is a place of warfare and resistance. So the war rages, the war continues, the war rages in the atmosphere. 
If you're not aware of spiritual warfare, if you're not, uh, if you're, if you're not a student of the Word and of what is actually going on in the invisible world all around you, I would challenge you, whatever level you are in your walk with God, begin to understand this because of a lot of what's going on in your life today in your life yesterday, and certainly what will be going on in your life tomorrow is a direct result of what is going on in the invisible world all around you right now. All around you, all around your head, all around your being, all around your physical nature that walks and talks and eats and sleeps, all around you, there is a very real invisible world of spiritual warfare that is influencing the reality of the physical world. So the war is raging. Now because Jesus has called us up into heavenly places, because He has called us up into the high places, the heavenly places, the atmosphere, He's called us out of just this natural sensation of the physical man. He's called us into a greater ethereal place for us to understand that we are to dwell. We're not to live in the clouds necessarily, but we are to understand that the clouds exist. We are to understand that the spirit world exists. And we are to step into that place and to understand that we have a job to do. Church of the living God before me today, you have a job to do. We have a war to fight. We have a battle and a resistance to operate and to engage in. How many knows the, and understands the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? Do you understand the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? A thermometer, everybody knows this. A thermometer, it reflects the temperature of the room or the being or the body. It reflects, it simply says, this is what the degrees, the temperature is. But a thermostat is much different. A thermostat sets the temperature of the room. And I want you, I want you to understand something today. God has not called us to be thermostats. Actually, thermometers. He has called us to be thermostats. He wants you to not just reflect the temperature of your home or reflect the temperature of your job or reflect the temperature of your church. He wants you to be a thermostat and He wants you to have the authority and the power to set the temperature. He wants you to understand because He's called you up into heavenly places to sit with Him, to wrestle with Him, to battle with Him, that you have the, uh, the, the authority and the, the privilege to walk into a circumstance, to walk into your home and say, I don't like what I feel here, so I am going to change it. I'm not simply going to reflect the temperature of this room. I'm not simply going to give a reading on the room. I'm not simply going to say, oh man, it's bad today. Oh, it is bad today. Oh, the devil is fighting hard today. Oh, my kids are this today. Oh, my home is this today. Oh, my church is this today. He says, no, don't be that. Don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. 
understand what you recognize as resistance within your home or resistance within your church or resistance within your family that you have the ability as a God called thermostat to say, nope, I'm walking up and I'm changing the temperature right now. It's a little too hot in here, so it's time to cool it off. It's a little too cold in here, so it's time to warm it up. We have the privilege of changing our atmosphere. We have the privilege of, of changing what is going on in our worlds, in our lives. I have this question for you today. What good is a powerful service? What good is a, 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 a powerful camp meeting service? What good is a powerful church service here uh, in our local assembly? What good is all of that? What good is a powerful move of God if it is normal to go to a spiritually dark home? What good is all of that if it's normal for us to simply go back to a spiritually dark home that is unchanged and forever the same? What good, and I understand there are some people that, that live in, in, in terrible situations where you might be the only one that goes to church and your spouse may not go to church at all. And I understand that resistance, and you understand better than I do that resistance of going into a home like that every day. But what good is it to come into a, a wonderful move of God in the house of God to go back to your home and realize that uh, man it's darkness again it's just darkness every day it's just oppression every day it's just constantly an onslaught of the enemy every day it's just constantly oppression every day it's just constantly fiery darts into my mind every day trying to rob me of the victory that I felt at church what good is it if we have those services and have those moves of God, if it's normal to go back home every single day to darkness. I want you to understand something. If we don't deal with the spirits, if we don't deal with the spirits, uh, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness in our homes and at our place of employment, we will always be influenced by those spirits. We will always be influenced by the spirits of darkness if we don't deal with them. If It's not enough just to ignore. It's not enough just to try to turn your back on. At some point, you're going to have to understand God's called me up into this heavenly place so that I can go to war with Him against this darkness, against this oppression, against this that wants to continually influence my family and my life. So that's what we're going to talk about today just for a bit. We're going to talk about stages, two stages, two, just, just two, just two, as it's starting to get late already, just two. We're not going to talk about three, four, five, six, just two. Man, imagine how quick two is going to go. Two, just two. Can you be with me and bear with me just for two points? Now, within those two points, there's some subpoints, but we're just going to talk about Two, two points, two stages of atmosphere warfare, two stages, two critical, two critical areas of warfare in your atmosphere. Number one, if you're a note taker, get ready to write it down, cleanse. 
Ooh, cleanse. Oh, we're church people now. We like to talk about cleansing. Come on, Jesus. Cover me and cleanse me. We're going to talk about cleansing just for a moment. James 4 and 8 says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Oh, what a beautiful scripture. What a wonderful scripture. We use this as professional Pentecostals and charismatic Christians and so cool and so, uh, so sophisticated. We use this all the time to talk about the sinners. You got to cleanse yourself, sinners, but we forget this is talking to us too. It's saying, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you heart, your hearts, you double-minded. Well, who is the double-minded? The double-minded is, is it's, the, it's us who come in here every single day, can't decide whether we want to be in church or out of church, can't decide whether, well, I'll come this week or I won't come next week. He's talking to us. He's talking to every one of us who struggle every single day with this, even though we've been coming and been a part of this for years. We've got to cleanse as well. It's not, it's not enough just to say, hey, you dirty, low-down, rotten so-and-so, it's time for you to cleanse yourself as we sit on our throne of righteousness. It's time for us to purify and to cleanse as well. So what do we cleanse ourselves of? What do we cleanse ourselves and remember to continually cleanse ourselves of? Well, number one, we've got to cleanse ourselves of sin. Obviously. It's my, my sense of humor, right? It's or non-existent. But it's I say cleanse ourselves of sin in a church, and everybody's like, "Well, duh." Of course, cleanse yourself of sin. Yes, we know this. But what I'm referring to is cleansing ourselves of what we call pet sins. Are those, it's those sins that we like to hang on to and we like to justify just a little bit and we like, to, we like to regard just a little bit as not that bad or not as bad as somebody else's sin. As if our sin is a little bit better than somebody else's sin. As somebody else's sin, now that's really dark and that's something bad in the nostrils of God. But my sin, my pet sin, what I like to hang on to, what I like to keep in my back pocket that God understands. God totally understands that. He, he gets that. He, he understands that I struggle with that. So he's going to allow me some room. Mm. So we've got to cleanse ourselves of sin, our pet sins. Why do we need to do this? Because Psalm, oh great Psalm 66 and 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Mm. That sounds like there's no room for error. That sounds like there's no room for, well, maybe this, and maybe there's some gray area. That sounds like, that sounds like maybe if in my mind I start regarding some things, my pet sins a little bit more than I should, that the Lord actually may not be hearing my prayers quite like I think He should be hearing my prayers. 
How many's ever felt like God, it just seems like there's a wall. Every pray, prayer that I pray just seems like sometimes they're not going up. They're not just reaching Him. Well, maybe there's something in our lives. Maybe there's something being withheld within our hearts that's causing God not to hear us because we've got some pet sins. And I'm not preaching judgmentally toward you. As, as I'm preaching this message right now, my mind is examining and examining my life and I'm recognizing, I'm beginning to see some things. Oh, <laughs> yep, there's that, there's this. I, I, I really need to get rid of that. I really need to cleanse myself of this. These are some things that I've forgotten about that I just seem to want to hold on to because this was the way I was raised or this is the way I grew up thinking. we got to cleanse ourselves of sin. I know that's, a, that's just such a basic point. That's such a basic thing that a Christian should understand, but I need to reiterate it again. I need to call the church back to remembrance today. You must repent and you must cleanse yourselves of sin because a holy God does not like sin. But that's not the Jesus that I created in my mind to worship and understand. But that is the Jesus. Oh, the gracious and merciful Jesus that He is. He is still a holy God and He is still one that requires separation. we got to cleanse ourselves of sin. But it doesn't just stop there. There are a couple other things that we need to cleanse ourselves from because we're talking about cleansing right now. We're still on point number one. I'm sorry. I'm so, I apologize for making this so lengthy, but we're still on point number one of cleansing. So sub-point number two of cleansing, we need to cleanse ourselves of excessive media consumption. Oh, Lord... Jesus, why in the world did this pastor... I called him pastor up until this week. I don't want no pastor doing this. I didn't vote for this. What, now what in the world is this pastor coming in and start talking about cleansing and getting rid of sin and excessive media consumption? How many knows this isn't a zealot thing? This isn't too crazy to, to talk about, to actually preach today that we need to turn off some stuff. This isn't just some... On the other side of the tracks, crazy Christian Pentecostal holiness... Uh, what are the terms? Holy rolling, whatever stuff that, that they use. This isn't that stuff. This is real. This is real stuff right here. Every, every magazine article, every book that is, of its, uh, that, that is qualified to speak on this subject says you need to turn off some stuff. It's time to turn off social media because it is rewiring your brain. And if it's rewiring your physical brain, how is it rewiring your spirit? Just constantly, just constantly eating and devouring media all the time. It is a plague upon the generation of today. It is a plague to constantly be gaming. Be gaming to the point hours upon hours pass where you don't even realize that you cut off circulation to your legs. 
Just constantly hours and hours binge watching this. Hours on TikTok watching the mindless drivel that is on there and YouTube shorts and just, I, I, I get sucked into the black hole of YouTube shorts. I hate TikTok, but there's, there's another side, YouTube shorts, that basically shows some TikTok videos and some other shorts, and you get sucked into this, and the next thing you know, two hours have passed, and you haven't done anything productive except for watching 20-second clips over and over and over and over. And your brain is rotting in your skull. And your spirit man is, is, is descending into, uh, <laughs> into weakness saying, please feed me for once. Please feed me for a while. And I, that, I say all of that to say, I am a tech guy. I, I used to work as, as a tech guy in, in Spokane. We came from Spokane, Washington before we uh, started evangelizing years ago. And I was, a, I was a tech manager, an AV manager at an event center. So I love technology. I love dealing with sound and this and that. And, and, and that's great and that's wonderful. I love technology, but we've got to, we've got to, I have to remember, turn some stuff off on occasion. I'm not saying you can't, you can't, you can't have a snack. You can't just, you can't watch and, and partake of occasionally. But don't let it devour you. Don't let it consume every minute of your time. Don't let it consume every minute of your day where you, you, you wake up and you realize and you shake yourself that, that three and four and five hours have passed and the only thing you've been doing is scrolling through social media feeds. Come on! We've got to cleanse ourselves of excessive media consumption. We've got to cleanse ourselves of the brain rot that is technology constantly on. All right. That was pastor's rant right there. That was pastor's media rant just for a moment. Now, sub point, <laughs> sub point number three. How long is he going to go with this today? We've got to cleanse ourselves. One more. This is just the last one on cleanse. All right, this is it. This is it. But get ready. This is a big one. This is a big one. We talked about sin. We've talked about uh, excessive media. Now we're going to talk about the biggie, the biggie right here. We've got to cleanse ourselves of associations. Ooh, everybody right now, so I know who he's talking about. I know who he's talking to. I know who he's saying you need to get rid of in your life. And you don't know what I'm getting ready to say. You don't know. I got my notes. You don't have my notes. I know where I'm going. But we got to cleanse ourselves of associations. There's an old saying that says, uh, uh, every saint ain't. Anybody ever heard that? Is it just me? Every saint, maybe that's a little too southern for all of you sophisticated Midwesterners, but ain't is not a word, but it is a word, but it means uh, is not. <laughs> you need to cleanse yourself of every, every person that isn't a saint, but they say they're a saint. See, you thought that I was going to talk about cleansing yourself of all of these worldly friends that you have. That Now, that's not what I'm saying at all. You didn't, I didn't say that. In fact, you need to have worldly friends. You need to have people that you influence 
in this world. You need to have people that you interact with every day and, 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 and talk to every day that they can see something in you that they don't see in anyone else. They need to see Jesus in you. Now, if they're influencing you for the negative, now we got a whole new discussion to talk about. But you don't need to cleanse yourself of every single person in your life who's not a born-again believer or a Christian or go to church. You need to have people in your life to help sharpen you, to help you realize that I need to let Jesus out. I need to let Jesus talk to them. I need to let Jesus deal with them and move upon them. And I need to show the love. So don't cleanse yourself of associations with them. Cleanse yourself of associations with people in the church that just like to be uh, negative Nelly and, and uh, Debbie Downer and all of that and, and the one that likes to say, well, did you see what they did? Did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you, did you see brother so-and-so and did you see sister so-and-so? Did you see that guy come in and not Ooh, it is quiet in here. <laughs> it is quiet. I feel it. I feel it. Woo! But I'm talking to, I'm talking to some people that, that understand I don't want to listen to that garbage every day. I don't want to listen to the negative stuff. Did you hear what that such and such person did? I thought that he walked this way. I thought that he preached this. I thought that he did this. And all of a sudden he's doing that. And all of a sudden she's doing this. Guess what? I see that somebody is, is, is has stumbled. I see that someone is, is trying their best or maybe maybe struggling a bit, but what I don't need for you to do is tear down anybody. What I don't need for you to do is talk to me about negativity. Because if there's anything that's going to destroy your spirit and soul, it's negativity. It's constantly dwelling on negative things. It's constantly dwelling on what somebody is not instead of what somebody can be. That's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about with each and every one of me, every one of you today. I want to talk about what God can help you do. I want to talk about what God can, can cause and propel you into becoming. Not what you struggle with. Not what you used to be. Not what you're dealing with. Not the fact that you were at the club last night, but you're at church today. I'm glad you're here today. You're eventually going to get to a place where you're not at the club on Saturday and you're only in church and we're going to keep walking that way and that's what we're going to talk about. I want to talk about the good things. I want to talk about the pure things. I want to talk about whatsoever is pure and holy and good and of good report. I want to talk about good things with you. So if you want to talk about some negativity about somebody, then talk about it somewhere else. Don't talk about it to me because I ain't got time for that. Got time for that mess. Did you know that dwelling on negativity, actually studies were done, actually makes you dumber to dwell on negativity. I didn't make that up. Now I wish I could make up points and just insert them into messages and you would believe them, but we don't live in a time like that because people have phones in their pocket and they can instantly Google what you're preaching to see whether it's true or not. I didn't make it up. It is actually true. 
Dwelling on negative things, dwelling on negativity, and focusing exclusively on the negative nature of an environment of, 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 of people will actually make you a dumber person. It robs you of vital brain cells that we need to function today. And I don't know about you, I need every single one that I can get. So I said all of that to say, every saint ain't. So just because somebody acts like they're righteous and pure as the driven snow, the moment they start regurgitating some negative stuff is the moment I'm going to separate myself from you. I don't want any part. I'm not quitting the church, don't get me wrong. But I'm going to make it so uncomfortable for you to operate in this church that you're either going to want to change or leave. Oh, pastor, don't talk about people leaving. We don't want anybody to leave. But what we do not want is any negativity in the church. Any. Don't mistake kindness for weakness. The moment there is any negativity in the body, is the moment that a pastor, that a shepherd recognizes that there is a wolf in the body trying to devour, trying to snuff out, trying to kill, trying to remove and trying to... Oh, they may still keep coming, but guess what? All of a sudden, it's the negativity has spread now to someone else and like a wildfire in the body, it's spread to everyone. So do not mistake my smiling nature and my kindness for weakness, because I will not tolerate ever any negative nature in the church. I don't care who's done what. Do not, please do not talk trash about anybody that is a part of this church or who has ever been a part of this church. <clears throat> and the smile's back on now. I'll take a water break while you digest that. It's just very important, just very important that we not let anything divide us. I don't care what's happened in the past. I don't care what's happened. I mean, I do obviously care, but I'm not caring to the point that I want to focus on anything exclusively. I want to focus on positivity. I want to focus on growth. I want to focus on what God is doing. Amen. Amen. All right. Woo. Man, that was rough. That was the rough part. Talking about cleansing and stuff and pastor got to get his big boy pastor pants on and start talking about stuff. It ain't fun. Okay, we're going to move on now to another point. Now after cleansing, now we had point one and sub point one, two and three. Now we're going to talk about point two. We're almost done. Almost. Let's talk about point number two. After cleansing, it is vitally important, vitally important, extremely important, of utmost importance to do something after cleansing. It is vitally important to, here it comes, point number two, are you ready? Write it down. It is important to... 
create? That's easy enough, right? Cleanse and create. Cleanse and create. Well, sometimes it's harder than you think it's going to be. Matthew chapter number 12, verse number 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Oh, it's so clean. He's cleansed. He's done some cleaning, but he hasn't done anything else. Then that unclean spirit goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. Everybody wants to live in a clean home at first. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Now that's, that's just talking about devil possession, right? That's just talking about that far out crazy stuff, devil possession. No, nope. it's not just talking about that. It's talking about all levels of cleansing. If you clean, you have to create. If you empty, you have to put something back in what is now empty. So talking just for a few minutes as we start to round the corner and head for home. What do we do to create? I've, I've, done, I've done the cleansing now. I've done the separating. I've, I've removed some things in my life. I've, I've turned off social media. Now I'm just sitting in the dark not doing anything. <laughs> well, do something. <laughs> do something else. Well, what? What do we need to create? Number one, you need to create an awareness to God. Create an awareness of the presence of God. It blows my mind in Christianity and Pentecost specifically how many people have been exposed to the Holy Ghost and the presence of God to not realize when the Spirit moves and when the flow begins to operate and when the Spirit lifts. As a preacher, you understand it's very easy because you mount the pulpit and it's very easy to understand that moment that the Spirit descends upon you and it, 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 sometimes it feels like a coat has been put upon you and you begin to speak and you begin to prophesy and you begin to operate in the Spirit. And you, it's very easy to recognize whenever God is beginning to move. And you also begin to recognize whenever... He begins to lift up off, up off of you and you start to continue speaking, but the Spirit has lifted and you quickly need to transition and begin to move to another area and you, you understand the flow. But it blows my mind sometimes how easy it is for us who live and walk in this every single day that we don't recognize the flow of the Spirit and we don't recognize that we need to be aware of Him. Every single day. Because God does not just move and sit down 
upon you or sit down upon a congregation just here. He wants to move every day. He wants to move in your home. And sometimes we're so distracted by so many things in our, in our life. And, and, and we, it's understandable sometimes how distracted we are. But God is asking us to... That's all the more reason we've got to cleanse ourselves from all of the distraction that is robbing us from recognizing a flow of the Spirit whenever He walks into the garden and wants to commune with us. When He walks into your living room, when He walks into your bedroom and says, I, I would like to talk to you today. Are you ready to talk to me? Are you ready to listen to me? But sometimes we're so distracted, we're not mindful of the presence of God that He is even there at the moment because we are so distracted by everything else in our life. Well, I've got to do this. Well, I've got to... Hey, I haven't checked Twitter in a little while. Let me check Twitter. And I'm guilty of this too. I, I haven't checked this feed or I haven't checked that feed or maybe I just need to have something going for a little while. And, and God's saying, I would like to talk to you. So we have to create an aware, and this is a discipline. And I, I know this is heavy. This is, I, know, I understand. But we have to create a discipline that allows us to understand and be aware of the presence of God. dwell on that much longer. Let's move on to sub-point number two of creating. We must create a conducive realm that God will dwell in. Mm, man, this preacher's preaching hardcore old school stuff today. Ugh. Ah! <laughs> Ooh! my toes. We must create a conducive realm that God will dwell in. I used to, I used to, I used to love to turn something on, even if it was just something as mindless as the Weather Channel. What was it? Local on the eights. Something mildly comforting about the Weather Channel going on in the background. Local on the 8th, here it comes. Next thing you know, hours have passed and it's just been some mindless noise going on in the background. Or I used to, I used to love to let ESPN kind of go in the background. And then I started realizing that maybe this is distraction. Maybe this is just noise I'm not listening to, but I'm hearing that's causing me not to be aware of the presence of God or is providing a realm, a conducive realm that God wants to dwell in, in my home. Maybe this is, maybe this is just, hmm, I feel resistance. <laughs> I feel it. Maybe there's something that I can do. I, I apologize if this is too out there, crazy town, Pentecostal for you. I, I apologize. But this is where my heart is and this is where hunger is for the body. And this is where 
a hunger is going to be created and be, begin to begin to re, begin to resurface that maybe you didn't have you haven't had in a while. You're simply doing these these minor things that's going to cause the spirit of God to just come in among you and want to operate and teach you and to speak to you. A conducive realm. Instead of just turning off some social media and turning off some things, why don't we turn that off from time to time? I, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying to a, a complete removal you still need to be in this world and understand what's going on around you, obviously. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying from time to time, turn some stuff on and maybe turn some stuff off and maybe turn some things on. Maybe have an hour a day where you just turn on some uplifting music or more than an hour. Or How many ever heard of like the Bible on CD or MP3 and just let Scripture kind of penetrate your home a little bit. And there's something about the Word of God. where The Word of God is living. How many understands that the Word of God is living? It's not just actively preached and actively going into your, your spirit and your heart. If you play the Word of God in your home, there's something about the Word of God that will begin to saturate your hardwood floors and will begin to saturate your walls. And there's something about that whenever you create that conducive realm, whenever wicked spirits of the atmosphere decide to come in and want to destroy your family. They can't stay very long because the Word of God is present. They don't want to hear that. This wicked one of the atmosphere, the wicked one, the wicked strong man of southwest Michigan does not want to hear the Word of God. And if you fill your house with uplifting, uplifting songs and the Word of God, he, he does not want to stay very long. There's something about that that can drive out the wicked one. Okay, as that begins to marinate and saturate, let's, let's move on to number three, the final. We must, we must create consistent interaction with God. I didn't say you. I said, we, because I have to. Not because I got to get something to preach on Sunday or not because I'm a preacher so I'm supposed to. Did you know that I can be a preacher and still be lost? Did you know that this is not my relationship with God? Standing here and preaching to you every Sunday and maybe more in the future is not my relationship with God. It is a result of my relationship with God. And if I begin to neglect my relationship with God, I can still do what I've learned to do and still be lost. So I must, we must, create consistent interaction with God. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Bible 
on the most surface level, says to pray without ceasing. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm supposed to pray every minute of the day? No, that's not what it means. You cannot pray every minute of the day. You have to live your life. You have to provide for your family. You have to sleep. You have to do what human beings do. But what it does mean is if you used to pray every Monday or if you used to pray uh, every so often, a few minutes a day, every day, don't stop doing that. Continue doing that. If not more. Well, I was, I was gung-ho for a little while and I prayed an hour a day and then all of a sudden I decided not to. Well, guess what? That's what prayer, pray without ceasing means. Don't stop. Continue interacting. Continue consistently interacting with Him. Okay, here's the deep question. Here's the hard question. How long does it take you how long does it take you to pray through? How long does it take you? Now this is where you're getting into maybe some advanced Pentecostal theology where we, maybe some of you don't understand, but how long we believe in being filled with the Spirit. We believe that the evidence for being filled with the Spirit, the initial evidence, is speaking in other tongues. And we believe in praying through and getting back to that place and praying in my prayer language. So my question, my hard question for you, and this was a hard question for me at one time and I had to really come to grips with this and I had to understand, how long does it take for you to pray through? get out of the lights. It feels hot up here. Whew. How long does it take? You know, there's some probably among, among us that are saying, what does pray through even mean? Pray through what? Well, it's a, it's a reference to the, old, to the old story of the high priest Going where? To the Holy of Holies. There was something that the high priest had the privilege of doing once a year and only him. It was going behind the veil to interact with the Spirit of God. To go into the concentrated presence of a holy God. How many has ever heard of the rope that was tied around the priest's ankle? No doubt we all have. Have you ever found it in Scripture? No. Nope. It's not in Scripture. There's this old myth from the Middle Ages that the high priest, he had these bells on. And he did at one point, but not in the Holy of Holies. But we've come to understand this myth that if the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and those bells stopped ringing, 
that means that concentrated presence of a holy God just struck him down. And we got to drag him out by the rope. Not scriptural. It's not in scripture. And I know a lot of you are probably, oh, where I thought I read that. And you can maybe go home later and look a little more, but it's not there. The bells were for the, the holy place. It was for the outer Whenever it was time to go into the holy of holies, behind the veil, he had a change of clothes. It wasn't about the bells, and it wasn't about this, and it wasn't, certainly wasn't about ropes. I don't know where the ropes came from. He put on something very special. He put on a linen garment. And whenever it was time to go behind the veil... Something very interesting that you have to understand about the veil. The veil was solid. It wasn't split down the middle. It was tacked all the way around. So the priest, the high priest, when it was time to go behind the veil, he didn't go around the veil. He didn't go under the veil. He didn't jump over the veil. He clothed himself in somebody else's righteousness. What we know now represents the covering of Jesus Christ, a linen garment. He walked up to the veil and stood until... He could be transferred through the veil. It was a supernatural... I mean, even, even Jewish commentaries will tell you to this day it was a supernatural event that once a year the high priest got to be transferred through the veil into the presence of God. So whenever we talk about praying through, we understand that whenever Jesus died on the cross, what was one of the significant things that happened? The veil in the temple was torn. That veil no longer exists. But your veil does. The veil of your flesh. So whenever it's time to pray through, you remind yourself, i got a change of clothes right now. I need to take off all of the stuff that points people to me. And i got to put on this linen garment. What is the linen garment? It's Jesus Christ. I'm putting on Jesus one more time. And I'm going to pray through my flesh and get into the presence of God. So don't think it just that old, that, that old uh, zealot stuff, that old holy rolling stuff that we're talking about. That Oh, they're talking about that crazy town stuff again. 
No, we're talking about something that is rooted in Scripture over thousands of years that was a type in the Old Testament that is very real for every one of us today. You don't have to wait or you don't have to just let somebody else go into the presence of God. God has said, I died for you. I shed my blood for you so that you can come into my presence every day. Every second of the day, whatever time of the day, whenever you want to, I'm welcoming you in. All you have to do is go through the veil. Go through the veil of what? Go through the veil of your flesh. And pray in the Spirit. Now that's what I'm talking about today. And I understand that's very difficult for us to understand because if you've never done that before, that is a mystery that is wrapped in an, an enigma. That is a riddle that's wrapped in an You don't understand it. But I, I want you to understand it's for you. Those of you have, who have experienced that, but you haven't experienced it in a, in a long time, it's difficult to get back there, but you can. And the more you do it, the easier it is. That's what I want to tell you, church. The more I've been there. I've been there as a young guy. I've been there as a backslidden uh, heathen. I've been there whenever I've wanted to get back. I didn't know how. So I just got back to that place and said, Jesus, cover me. And I want to go into your presence. And then all of a sudden, I feel myself drifting through the veil, going through the veil of my flesh, praying in the Spirit one more time, not understanding this was awesome. This was for me the whole time. But I pushed it back as I pursued other things. So now you understand the question that I'm asking. How long does it take you to get in the Spirit? To pray through? And now, and now maybe you may even understand what pray through really means because I've heard these old timers talk about praying through for years but I never really understood what it mean I thought it just working up some sort of lather until I start twitching no no it's much deeper than that praying through my flesh into the concentrated presence of God and I begin to I begin to dwell with him and he begins to speak to me and I begin to speak to him and then from time to time I shut up and he just begins to speak and I begin to listen he begins to deal with me about things in my life and that's where the answers are that's where the answers are if he wills it But the interesting thing about an infinite God is the more you begin to dwell with Him and operate and listen and He begins to explain, the more questions begin to rise and the more mysteries begin to pre present themselves to you. And then this whole new world of the Spirit is opened up to you that you never thought existed as we all stand.
I hope this hasn't been too heavy for you today. I hope this hasn't been too fanatical for you today. Man, I knew that church down there, they were a bunch of fanatics, man. I came listen to that new pastor, man. He is a fanatic. He's talking about rolling on the floor and tongue talking and this and that and going through veils and standing on his head. Well, I mean, if you want to stand on your head, you can, but that's, that's your thing. The answer... I, I wish I had all the answers, but I do have this answer. When the Bible said to be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. That was an instruction for that day and an instruction for ours. It said don't self-medicate. Don't bury yourself in intoxications and distractions from what is real certainly don't run from the Spirit of God run to the Spirit of God and be filled with the Spirit Be not drunk with opioids and fentanyl and, and this and that. Be not drunk with intoxication of excessive media consumption. Be not drunk with everything that wants to occupy every second of you and distract you from everything. Be emphatic, declarative statement. Be filled with the Spirit interesting thing about being filled with the Spirit is in this world that's drawing righteousness from you every day if you're not filled every day you will eventually run empty because it's pulling righteousness out of you what did Jesus feel whenever the lady with an issue of blood touched the hem of his garment he felt virtue leave him In the book of Acts, we read about Acts chapter 2. There were a group of people that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Later in Scripture, we find some of the same people. The same reference once again, but later being what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. That leads us to the conclusion that they didn't stay full, but had to be refilled. Continual refilling. So I'm going to ask you again, church, how long does it take you to pray through? How long does it take you to get into the Spirit? How long does it take you to interact with the concentrated presence of God in the way that He has designed for us to? If it's been a while, if, it's been, if it takes too long, Come, come to the front now. Come and pray. 
I'm going to lay hands on you. The elders of the church, different ones, are going to minister and lay hands on you. And we're going to help you as you reach that place of getting through this and interacting with Him one more time. And we're going to encourage you, not just this week, but next week and the week after that, to continue doing that, to continue. And the next thing you know, there's go you're going to reach this place where it's not difficult. It's not hard to get into the presence of God. And you start to develop what we call your prayer language. Lift your hands, church. Begin to love Him. This altar is open for anyone and everyone. Thank you so much for hearing the Word today. Thank you so much for, for swallowing this bitter pill. I know it's, it's been a lot. It's been heavy. It's been, but I've got a burden upon me as I take this church to another level, to a new place. I've got a burden upon me from God to draw, to lead, to, to reach to reach. I thank You, Lord. I thank You for what You've done in this church in the past. But we can't live on the past. I thank You for what all of the experiences, all of the precious moves of the Spirit that have been within the walls of this church. But we gotta, we got to focus on today and we've got to focus on the future. We've got to focus on what You want for us now.